In this month's Dhamma podcast, we present Chapter 12, Come and See, from the upcoming audiobook, Realizing Change, by Ian Hetherington. Chapter 12 Come and See I was fortunate to attend a secondary school where apart from the regular subjects, we also studied Latin and Greek. We read Plato, Socrates and other philosophers. Something which stuck in my mind was a saying by Heraclitus from Ephesus, Panto rei, all things forever flow and change. I did not know why this made such an impression. At the age of 17 or 18, a friend introduced me to vegetarian food. She also lent me Hesse's book, Siddhartha, which formed more or less the start of my spiritual search. The last year of high school, we went to Rome with the whole class to visit the places we had heard so much about. Soon after that, I also visited Athens with a friend. On the top of the Acropolis, I met a German traveller and dental student. We had a lot in common, and he told me about meditation for the first time. After finishing high school, I was not sure what to study next. Philosophy was one of the possibilities. It seemed interesting, but I knew I did not really want to learn other people's theories and thoughts, but rather how to live a good life myself. Wisdom was what I was looking for. Petra van Domberg is an information technology trainer in the Netherlands. She's practiced Vipassana since her first course in 1984. When Goenkaji started teaching Vipassana in the West in 1979, I was a typical example of a confused and unhappy Westerner in need of his teachings of moderation and wisdom. Like many other young people growing up in the fast-changing 60s and 70s, when the old inequalities of conservative society were being challenged, I had experimented with many conflicting roles and images of myself. I had tried being the quiet student, daughter of humble migrants, fond of classics and crochet, the serious young industrial scientist, the adoring wife, homemaker and gardener, the embroidered cheesecloth draped weekend dope smoker, dreaming of organic farming, the psychedelic astral traveller, the depressed tragic victim of a possessive husband, the leather-clad motorcycle tourer, the blonde sun-worshipping Mediterranean nudist, the Himalayan hiker. None of these roles seemed to fit, so I kept moving from one to another, wanting to be someone else, someone who wasn't me, because I wasn't content with what I was, where I was, or what I had. I sometimes tried to be a better and more useful person, but there were so many self-destructive habits that kept me from improving myself. When a friend at work encouraged me to take a Vipassana course, out of respect for his kindness, I decided to try. It was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. For once, there was no escape from taking a good, 
close look at myself, and I didn't like very much of what I saw. I was a spoilt and selfish young woman. I had been dishonest and disloyal to my former husband and hurt him very much. There were a few compensating qualities, but not many. After the course, I didn't immediately notice any great changes in myself, but there was some sense of hope that it was possible to take control over my life instead of just reacting to circumstances. Jilly Rowan, Australia The search for truth is a very personal journey. An ancient technique of meditation, Vipassana is as relevant now as in the past. The tradition of teaching we have been describing here is distinctive in a number of ways. It is entirely non-sectarian and non-political. Teachers are guides, not gurus. Courses are offered free of charge, funded not from commercial sources, but solely through the voluntary donations of grateful students. The approach to meditation is primarily practical. Learning how to train and purify the mind to prevail over past conditionings and make a change in our lives for the better. The teaching is simple to understand and follow. On courses, as in daily sittings, each element in the training, ethical living, concentration and insight, is essential and supports the others. The direct personal experience of one's own inner reality, mind and body, as it changes moment to moment, is at the core of the practice. Exploring the truth as it is, without recourse to imagination, verbalization or visualization, we will certainly gain good and tangible results from our meditation. Over time, our efforts to purify the mind will ripen in the development of qualities of generosity, virtue, patience, self-sacrifice, industriousness, truthfulness, determination, compassion, equanimity and wisdom, enabling us to give more to others and hastening our own progress on the path. This, then, is an outline of the technique and how Vipassana meditation can be successfully applied anywhere in the world today. The initial object of Vipassana meditation is to activate the experience of anicca, impermanence, in oneself, and to eventually reach a state of inner and outer calmness and balance. This is achieved when one becomes engrossed in the feeling of anicca within. The world is now facing serious problems which threaten all mankind. It is just the right time for everyone to take to Vipassana meditation and learn how to find a deep pool of quiet in the midst of all that is happening today. Anicca is inside of everybody. It is within reach of everybody. Just a look into oneself and there it is, Anicca, to be experienced. Anicca is, for the householder, the gem of life, which he will treasure to create a reservoir of balanced energy for his own well-being and for the welfare of the society. 
Sayaji Ubakir. In meditation, you withdraw from others and focus your attention inside to gain purity of mind and Dhamma energy. Then you must become extroverted and use this energy. When you take a long jump, you must first take some steps backward, then you run and make the jump. Like this, you first withdraw, observe yourself inside and get the energy. Then you make a long jump into society, to serve society. These two steps cannot be separated. Silent meditation isn't a way of forgetting, but a way of being unable to forget. An instant replay of your own game. Through silent meditation, we cultivate purity not because we want to avoid hell in some afterlife, but because we want to avoid watching ourselves stumble awkwardly across the internal silent screen. A lifetime commitment to this sort of self-awareness naturally purifies life, deleting whatever is incompatible with silent, tranquil peace. The more rigorously we immerse ourselves in ourselves, the nicer a person we're going to want to be. Purity means being able to relax with who we really are. By this, I don't mean mere self-acceptance, but self-transformation, so that wherever we penetrate, we find no hindrance or harm. We stop shocking ourselves. Meditation focused on purification isn't something we do to overcome our day, but what we do to guide our day towards sustainable peace of heart. From Cultivating Inner Peace by Paul Fleischmann Practicing Vipassana helps us face the whirlwind of our lives without fear. We realize change every day by direct experience, processing our internal responses alongside the stream of external happenings. We also realize change by understanding what's true in nature, how this deepest personal reality coexists with surface situations. And we realize change by progressively replacing the reactive instinct with genuine acceptance and positivity. As accounts from real live meditators bear witness, Vipassana is an invaluable tool to solve our problems. Victims no more. Working with the grain. Charles Brown sat one of the early Vipassana retreats in India, returning to America in 1977, after almost five years away. Both he and the country had altered radically. He had just survived a plane crash in Guatemala, and re-entry was tough. I needed to get some clear space, so I borrowed my brother's van, which was equipped for sleeping and eating. I went to the eastern side of the mountains, where the apple-picking season was underway. I got a job in a small orchard, where I was the only picker. 
For two days I was alone, picking apples all day, and I was alone at night in the campervan. My agitation would not subside, however. Late on the third day, I was up a ladder picking apples. Reaching for apple after apple had a hypnotic effect, and suddenly a great peacefulness came over me. I sensed that I was back in the crashing airplane, and I felt that total calm with which I had faced my death. Then a voice asked me, Completely calm, facing your death, and now totally upset, facing your life? My unusual reversal of attitudes towards life and death struck me as very amusing. My response would be the exact opposite of almost everyone else in the world. I began to laugh. I began to laugh hard. I was perhaps two metres up the picking ladder and thought I might fall off, so I climbed down and continued to laugh on the ground. My laughter shattered the problem. I still had many problems to cope with to bring order back into my life, but the laughter had shattered the one big problem into bite-sized chunks. Remember a Nietzsche, Goenkaji would say, and here it was, come home to me. Charles Brown recently reconnected with Vipassana after a long layoff in the most unexpected manner. Out of the blue, a ten-day course was organised at his place of work, a jail near Seattle. It was the perfect way to pick up his own meditation and by taking the practice off the cushion, support the new inmate programme at NRF. My friend's situation grew worse. He seemed to have tested HIV positive and already have AIDS. He was desperate and the alcohol abuse increased. In the past, I would have tried to comfort and help him, but I could see that I couldn't help him at all. As they told us at the Al-Anon meetings, you have to learn to detach, to let go by focusing on yourself, changing yourself. Again, I tried to help, but found myself in one crisis after another. Finally, having lived in this dysfunctional situation for seven years, I felt I couldn't continue and left. I had tried everything. There was nothing more that I could do for him. I went to the Vipassana course to deal with my grief. To my amazement, by accepting my present feelings instead of depression, I gained relief. I realise that I can be happy, despite the expectation that my dearest friend will die soon. But the surprises didn't end there. I returned home to the news that my friend had been very sick in hospital, where he'd been tested again. He didn't have AIDS, wasn't HIV positive after all. Werner Jung from Germany is an artist. Remember Eeyore in Chapter 2? Kerry Jacobs from UK keeps ringing the changes. My mind has become much clearer and quicker, particularly my memory and my ability to arrive quickly at a solution. Recently, when I needed to do some serious revision for a Japanese test to take me up to the next level, 
I chose to spend more than half of the precious time I had available for revision on attending a 10-day Vipassana course. I wanted to go on the retreat to deepen my meditation, and I wasn't worried about losing 10 days of revision, because I knew that if I worked properly, at the end of the course my mind would be so much clearer that it would more than make up for the missed days. And so it did. I passed the test with good marks. On another occasion, I returned to work after a meditation course to face a problem concerning a computer that had been dragging on for months and months. I began to feel very dispirited and then suddenly thought, let's see if we can get to the crux of the matter. I sat down and thought very clearly and deeply about the whole issue for about a minute, realised what I should do and sorted it all out that day. It was quite amazing and very liberating. I have also become much more ready to work. My mother used to call me the Dormouse, as I was so fond of sleeping when I was little, especially in the morning when I was supposed to be getting up. I continued this habit into adulthood, sleeping late whenever I got the chance. But this has very gradually changed. Now, a more normal pattern is that I jump up as soon as it is light, ready to go, maybe as early as 5.30 or 6 in the morning, and it's not uncommon for me to do a couple of hours' work before breakfast. I don't know if this is related to Vipassana, but I also notice that I'm much more interested in exercise and have even joined a gym, something that my earlier self would never have believed. In terms of relationships, I have found some peace. I have a history of difficult, sometimes catastrophic, nearly always very dramatic love relationships, which are often complicated, have taken up a lot of my energy and brought me many tears. However, as with everything else these days, I'm learning not to look for my happiness outside of myself, and so have been able, even when things have been very bad on the outside to remain happy within myself much more than in the past. Sometimes I do daydream about an impossible romance, or agonise over an unpromising relationship, but, perhaps because I'm more self-aware, I catch myself at it much more quickly than I used to, and have the resource of Anapana and Vipassana now to help me to cut the daydreaming agonising short by focusing my attention on my breath or my sensations. It has been quite a relief to have had Vipassana on hand to help deal with this part of my life. Accepting the ageing process has been one of the gains of meditation for Vajira, a professional dancer from Sri Lanka. In my country, people appreciate what I do and what I show. The standard of creative work, beautiful stories or dances, has made everyone happy and they look up to me to continue it. So I try my best, even though I'm not in peak form anymore. I get others to keep it going, because the tradition also has to be preserved, otherwise it'll die. So, for my country, I have to do that as long as I can, working part-time, practicing daily, 
but also teaching classes and doing stage work. With the practice of Vipassana, I understand and accept change, but my body can't do what I used to do in my early days. That has helped me not to greedily climb and try to maintain what I always did. It has made me more humble also. I don't crave publicity. There are other changes too. I became a vegetarian gradually, and now my lifestyle is quieter. I just carry on my work, because someone has to take over from me. I don't have any ambitions to become greater or anything like that. Now I am content. What I have done is enough. Meditation is a privileged moment that a person passes in calm, far away from noise, far from everything. Particularly this tranquility, which one finds so rarely in life. Life is a river which one purifies so little except in the course of meditation. It is sometimes peaceful, sometimes agitated, sometimes cloudy, sometimes dark. The mind is always overloaded with all sorts of thoughts. Meditation is an excellent way of taming the wandering mind. It is also a remedy for anger and melancholy. Luke, age 13, from France. I think it's for everybody. The sooner they can learn the technique, the better, even as children. There may be people who will say, well, I don't have any problems. Why would I go and do this 10 hard working days? For me, the fact they're saying that they don't need it, it's a very strong reason that they do. If they can just reflect inside themselves for a moment, instead of listening to what the outside is telling them, they'll see. Go on now. Ask yourself within. How is your life? How is your relationship? How is your work? Do you get angry? Do you get bad-tempered? Do you get frustrated with other people? And what they think and do and say? And if the reply to these is yes, and it's likely to be because that's how we human beings are, then the answer is yes, you do need the course. In conversation, Michael Powell from Adelaide, Australia. For Robert Johnson, USA, a former jail inmate, Vipassana is key to staying on track. I won't stop this. I like meditation, not reacting in the everyday world. I'm developing ways to continue the practice of meditation in my life how to make a wholesome living and be able to meditate. For the first time, I'm able to say, I don't like this situation, these kind of people, working here or there. With Vipassana, I've got enough cushion to be able to tell if something's good or going to turn out wrong for me. It's a challenge, how to develop a better lifestyle for myself. 
That's where the next level of personal work has been. For a person in the jailhouse, if they have that sort of mind where they wish they could get some quiet, jails and prisons are noisy, people screaming out, gates slamming, somebody's yelling, stand at attention, and you get a chance to take Vipassana meditation, you should hop right on there. I'd tell anybody. Now I know that this is the way for the non-believer who wants to believe, for the chronic faithless who secretly seeks faith. This is the way for those who can never feel at ease with partial human solutions like God, psychology, money. It is for those who appreciate science but cannot be comforted by it. It's for the one who owns a thing because it works, not because it has a brand name. It's for those who will always cherish a breath more than a word. Ayelet Menahemi from Israel is a filmmaker. She sat her first Vipassana course in 1993 and all the family now meditate. The potential is unlimited. As a teacher of many ages, I feel that meditation should be an accepted daily occurrence for students of all generations. Vipassana gives everybody more peace, clarity, focus and self-awareness. These skills are more important than math or science because they provide a person with an internal language of insight. They have also encouraged me to pursue artistic endeavours, which no longer add to the misery of the world, but strive to enlighten, teach and inspire, to lift humanity upward. Max Keeley, Canada It's given me a better idea of where, how and why we stand in the scheme of things and it's broadened my horizons. Instead of having such a narrow point of view, everything, it's all out there, so big, brilliant. I think I'm a bit more calm and a bit more compassionate, not quite as locked into myself, you know. A bit of an opening, I think, I hope. I feel now, I have a tool for expanding my awareness of where I'm headed in this life. It's the first time, and I've been looking for a long time, maybe 30 years, and I've done a lot of reading, always knowing there is something else. This is the first time I've actually been able to find something that tells you how to do it. All the other things I've read are similar in terms of what you're trying to achieve, but without telling you how. And this tells you how. I'm very glad I did it. Yes, very glad. Post-course interviews with first-time students. Australia, 1990. May every reader find his or her path and grow in happiness and peace.
Find this and many more podcasts at Pariati, a nonprofit publisher who offers written, audio, and video content, and whose mission is to enrich the world by disseminating the words of the Buddha, providing sustenance for the seeker's journey, and illuminating the meditator's path. For more information, please go to www.pariyatti.org. That's pariyati.org. For more information about Vipassana meditation, please visit www.dhamma.org. That's dhamma.org.